0: This is God's word. Uh, Let's uh, let's pray together. Our God and Father, uh, we thank you for revealing this truth to us. Uh, We would not see it, we would not know it, uh, apart from your uh, gracious uh, revelation. And we pray, um, Holy Spirit, that you would be upon us today in the preaching and in the hearing of your word Grant us um, knowledge of the Savior's gentle heart. And Spirit, would you work in us uh, that same gentleness as we follow him. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, today uh, represents uh, one more level of uh, social distancing uh, for me and for many others these days. Um, I'm at home now, which perhaps you can see. And that's actually appropriate for the message that I have for you um, this morning um, because it is here in our homes uh, that we uh, are practicing social distancing in reverse. Um, here is where we are with each other um, much more of the time than we are used to. And so my question is, how is it going for you um, in your home these days? Kids, I know it is hard uh, to be around family all the time. and you want to see your kids, you want to be uh, perhaps in school. Um, and yet the way we are responding to people, our parents, our siblings and others, the way we are responding um, may give us a peek into our hearts. And we are more impatient than we would like to believe. And sometimes we can even be mean. Well, this morning um, we are looking at um, a passage that is related in some ways to the typical passage we we might look at uh, on Palm Sunday. Uh, It is Palm Sunday, um, and and only Matthew quotes all of Zechariah 9, verse 9, as he is explaining, describing the triumphal entry of Jesus. Uh, Zechariah had prophesied, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he." Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And that word, humble, here in uh, in, in Matthew twenty one, quoting Zechariah nine, is the same word that shows up as gentle in our passage in Matthew twenty one, in Matthew eleven and verse twenty eight. Uh, My purpose then this morning is that uh, for each of us, we would pursue vigorously the gentle heart of your king. Pursue vigorously, strenuously, the gentle heart of your king. And desiring it too, to be expressed in your own heart and life. I want to look at this passage in Matthew 11, uh, under three heads. Focusing on the gentleness of Christ. Uh, And first of all, that the king displays a gentle heart, and and then the king disciples you in gentleness, and then finally, the practice, the application, the practice of gentleness. Now, early in his ministry, uh, Jesus resisted all of the efforts that uh, people wanted to make him king, and basically he said, Hush, the time is not right, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone it's not time. And yet here, uh, in the, at the end of the gospel, in, um, in Palm Sunday and Holy Week, it is clear to all, uh, that the king is coming out. Uh, he's coming out to proclaim his, uh, his kingship. And he's orchestrating the parade in Jerusalem in order to celebrate. And so he gets on the donkey and he rides into Jerusalem in fulfillment of Zechariah's prophecy. The crowds are celebrating, they're cheering, they're in the streets, they see the donkey, but they don't get it. They don't really understand. They missed that he was a different kind of king. And that's what the donkey was symbolizing, a humble creature. He was a different kind of king. Now what I want us to do is turn back to our text in Matthew 11. And get a look, a glance, a glimpse at what kind of king he really is. What he is like. And it's in this passage, um, in Matthew 11. uh, It's the only place in all of the Gospels that Jesus describes his own heart. He opens up, he shows us the beauty of his heart in his own words. The king is gentle and lowly in heart. For you who are weary and heavy laden, trust me to be gentle, Jesus says. He cares for you. He is yoked to you, with you, um, in your journey, especially in hard times such as these days. He is yoked with you to enable you to live for his glory even in this difficult time. And yet there's a different sense that I want to look at this this morning. We speak so often of becoming like Christ and yet seldom identify the very thing Jesus reveals here, that his heart is gentle. We speak much of being like Christ, but we speak little of being gentle like Christ. But this is what God's heart is like. And this is what he wants your heart to be like as well. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. Learn from me of my own heart. Now we see this very clearly at this time in in what we call the the Passion Week or the Holy Week. We see it in his death. We see it the way he responds to those who are crucifying him. But I want to point out two other instances that are are a delightful way to display the gentleness of his heart. We see one, uh, for example, in the way he gently deals with the sleepy heads at Gethsemane. He is in agony. He tells his disciples to watch while he goes to pray. And as he then separates himself off and goes apart to pray, they fall asleep. He comes back and he says, couldn't you watch with me one hour? But I want you to avoid temptation. You've got to pray. And then he encourages them. He says, I know you want to do this. He says, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. And with that encouragement, then he goes away again to pray. And he comes back and they are fast asleep. He simply looks at them scold them he doesn't tell them to wake up he simply patiently gently looks at them and he goes back to pray another example have you ever uh, been been, uh, betrayed by a friend do you know what that feels like we can become angry Judas of course is leading an unruly crowd to Jesus and he betrays Jesus with a kiss and I can sense in my own heart some snark coming out and I would say probably something like this. You are a hypocrite. Your picture is right there in the dictionary definition of traitor. Something like that. What does Jesus say? He says, friend, do what you came To do. He faces extreme horror and wickedness, but does so with calmness and with gentleness. The king displays a gentle heart. The king also disciples us in gentleness. Let me define it a little bit. Kids, you'll see a number of lines on your outline and you can write in as many of these as you can. uh, Gentleness uh, defined. Um, it is it is calmness. It is long suffering. Um, it it is forbearance and quietness, patience, calmness, meekness. That's where this word is uh, this meekness and gentleness often used uh, in in the same in the same way in the scriptures. In fact, um, our beatitude could also very well read, blessed are the gentle for they shall inherit the earth. You see, it's not a rash explosive reaction when we're not getting what we want. It is not a bitter exasperation because life is hard and we complain because it's not what we were expecting. It's more of an aroma or an atmosphere that is sweetened by gentle words and by our countenance. And we grow in gentleness as we walk with the Savior, as we recognize that we are befriended by the gentleness of God in Jesus. So we more and more reflect that godly tenderness to others. As we behold God, as we behold the Lord, the glory of God in the in the gentle face of Jesus Christ, we are are, are overcome with first of all humility. We are staggered by Jesus befriending us. And that gentles us. And we no longer um, spend our lives Demanding that others treat us royally. We have humility. We've been be befriended by Jesus. The second thing is a confidence in God's sovereignty. That God does in fact work all things together for good for those who love Him. I want to give you an example from, from church history. A uh, man by the name of Jonathan Edwards, uh, one of the shining lights uh, in the intellectual sphere of the very early uh, time in our country, actually in colonial days. And in 1750 Jonathan Edward Edwards, a, a minister uh, in New England, was voted out of his church by a vote of 230 to 23. It was overwhelming. He was voted out that was that vote that discussion took around a week's time, and a, a little bit later, you can get a flavor for the attitude of some of the people in that number. One person is quoted this way: uh, Edwards was as great an instrument the devil has has on this side of hell to bring souls to hell He was. Hated Jonathan Edwards was by many. But one observer describes it like this. As he was watching this week-long struggle going on. I never saw the least symptom of displeasure in his countenance the whole week. He appeared like a man of God whose happiness was out of the reach of his enemies, whose treasure was not only a future, but a present good. His happiness out of the reach of his enemies. And he saw goodness, not just something in the future, but something now, even in the hardships of life. So he was able to be gentle the people who opposed him, even, were shocked at his demeanor. He, he looked much like Jesus, who was gentle on the way to the cross, because he trusted the Father's plan. Well, I want to spend a good bit of time considering about how we can practice gentleness. And first of all, we must understand that there are themes in Scripture, there are ideas in, in Scripture that seem to work in contrast with this theme of gentleness. We are called to be warriors. We're called to be fighters. We are called to be zealous. And yet in those two ways, I want to look for a few minutes, we are called uh, to be fighting, but gently. Timothy, of course, was called to wage the good wealth, the good warfare. He was called to fight the good fight of faith. Um, we are called to fight. We are called to strap on the armor to protect ourselves from the enemy. We are called to wield the sword of the Spirit and to work hard uh, in protecting ourselves. Well, where do you find um, the greatest enemy in your life? Where do you find the greatest enemy? Certainly it is within. The biggest battle that we fight against is the impulse to do battle with others. The biggest fight that we have is that instinct to fight. But Edwards wasn't fighting his congregation, was he? I suspect that he was fighting instead against something like fear. He describes the, the, the difficulty he had. he had. He had a family of eight children to feed, and he was going to be without a job. Very, a very realistic fear, even for us today, in this, this age around us. He would also have the pain of being unjustly accused. These are the battles that he would fight within. So he would fight not people, but he would fight to maintain gentleness in the midst of that stress. Well, how do we stand with gentleness? How do we stand with a holy calm in a chaotic world? Well, certainly certainly one way to do that is to seek the best we can to overcome evil with good. We'll be talking about that in in several weeks in Romans 12. We'll get to that lovely passage uh, towards the end of the month. Overcome evil with good by laying down your life as Jesus did uh, for one another. So be very specific as you're thinking about this in your own experience. How will you fight evil with good? even in your home? you fight you fight your own proud reactions to others, Even in your family, perhaps especially in your family, you fight those proud reactions with gentleness. That your home, too, can be a battleground, but a battleground in your heart. And so you purpose to keep your mouth shut. And when you speak, to speak kindly and gently because of the way that the Lord has been gentle and kind with you. So you fight gently. You also are called. We are called to be zealous, but to be so gently. How do we do that? I love. One of my favorite portions of scripture is in Titus two, eleven to uh, twelve to fourteen, and we read there, among other things, that we are to be zealous for good works. And when you think of some Christians, zeal is a, a gentleness is the very last thing that you think of. Zealous Christians. Frequently, do not evidence a spirit of gentleness. You think of a father who is really committed to seeing righteousness in his children. He may berate them in order to get them to toe the line. You may see a young man who is so zealous for the truth that he uses it like a club even with his friends. But zeal is tricky because we often confuse it with passion for righteousness. We think we're on the right side and may be. But being right is oftentimes way more important to us than being gentle or effective. Gentleness, of course, is a fruit of the Spirit. And just very briefly, very briefly, as we seek to have zealous gentleness or being gentle yet zealous, Pray the Holy Spirit will do three things. First of all, enable you to hate evil. To hate evil. To hate your anger. To hate the way that you want to control other people. And to hate the pride that drives it. James tells us that the unrest that comes into the world because of our own tongues is fed by the fires of hell. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Holy Spirit gives us, give us grace to hate what is evil. And then secondly is to grow in humility so that you not only see, but feel, feel the unworthiness that you have before God. And that's what produces then a sense of long suffering, uh, tender mercies and gentleness. Jesus then gives us a gentle zeal a zeal for righteousness and truth, but it is made gentle. Many, many years ago, although I do remember it well even now, but many, many years ago, I used to go, excuse me, many, many years ago, I used to go head-to-head uh, with one of my daughters, and, um, um, I would respond to her. I'm sure I pushed buttons with her and she did with me and we would respond to each other uh, in anger. And the Lord was slowly humbling me and I saw um, and then began to hate my pride and my anger. And I can remember so many times uh, going back to her and speaking with her, having learned more and more. It's a process, having learned more and more to speak with gentleness. And um I'll never forget what she said one time. And this is the work of the Spirit. <laughs> she said, she says, Dad, um, when you um, are coming to me and talking like this, it's like talking to Jesus. And I simply can't argue anymore. As I said, that is the work of the Spirit. And I will just say, Dads, gentleness can take the fight out of your kids. Dads, I urge you to remember Psalm 18, verse 35. In that section of Psalm of Psalm 18, David is describing how the Lord is equipping him for battle, enabling him to leap over walls, enabling him to fight with his sword. He's equipping him for battle. But then David says this, which is stunning to me still. He says, but it is your gentleness that made me great. Husbands, I want to speak to you and then wives and singles and children. Husbands, it is easy. For you at times to give into temper, to give into harsh speech, and simply to be hard headed. And it is a challenge for us when we think about how we can be both masculine and gentle at the same time. I would submit to you that Jesus was his most masculine at his act of greatest gentleness when he submitted on the cross. And gave his life willingly and gladly for his bride. He laid down his life, which is what we are called to do as well. Real men can be gentle. And I want you to start with this. This sounds very familiar, but I want you to, I want you to hang on to this. Do not let it go. Start with a commitment to repent of arrogant speech. Repent specifically for the arrogant words. Repent directly to your wife because honest confession is what humbles you and your harshness is born out of pride and nothing but humility can break up the hard ground of pride in your heart and produce gentleness. You will not change in any other way than humble and honest repentance, clinging then then, to the righteousness that the Lord Jesus gives you and remembering that you have been made new, a new heart with new inclinations, new desires, and the spirit in you To live that out. Jesus is gentle with you to make you great. Wise. You remember from 1 Peter chapter 3. You are called to have a gentle and quiet spirit. Um, That's actually what we're all called to have. That gentle spirit. And be quick listen and slow to speak and yet for wives there is perhaps a particular need for this call to be gentle and quiet in spirit now it is right and good uh, for you to want your husband to be more gentle with you and with your kids that is good and right it is a holy desire but Do you rip into him when he just doesn't get it? Or do you simply ignore it? Perhaps because it's so pervasive or so hard, so ingrained. My dear sisters, you are responsible to speak with him, to be his helper at home. And I would ask you, I would call you, urge you to consider before you speak Something like this. I want you to ask yourself, how can I say this in a way that he knows that I'm for him and not against him? Think about it. Think about that. Something like this. Thank you for all that you do. And I appreciate it when you, whatever, whatever it is. And then you ask, may I share something with you that I think you would want to know? Perhaps regarding the way that you're affecting the kids. That's courage, wives. It's important. It is the help that your husband needs. And keep in mind that Jesus is gentle with you too. In order to make you great. Singles. The Lord wants you to have meaningful and important, significant relationships, and relationships that are characterized with what I have sometimes called Hebrews three thirteen relationships, and that is this: exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sins. So, a relationship, a friendship, where you are speaking to one another. In an honest way to encourage each other to avoid this deceitfulness of sin. So a couple of few questions for you. Do you have the kind of friendships that can create or allow for this kind of relationship? Do you, do you share your weaknesses with your close friends or do you try to hide them? What discourages you? Do you let others in to see them? What sins are you tempted towards? What sins deceive you so that you do prefer them to adoring God? Can you verbalize them? Do you know them? Can you verbalize them so that you can get help? Perhaps it's self pity. or or anger, or lust, or or simply the desire to isolate and disengage from others. Well, there are two ways that you can be a lazy friend. One of them is to simply fake gentleness (laughs) and be nice, but you avoid honesty. And you're not really being a helper. You're not really being a true friend. It is a fake friendship, a fake gentleness. But the second way, the opposite way, is you don't even try to be gentle and you just give truth like a buzzsaw and you're not really being a helper either. I'm just being honest is not doing anybody any good. But you too can be an honest, helpful, and edifying friend as you gently lay out, as I've said, some of your own matters that, that you need friends to help with. And as you do so, they will return In kind, you can be an honest, helpful, edifying friend. You see, Jesus is gentle with you too, to make you great. Children, finally, I want to address you for just a moment. Um, You might you might say by this time in our um, sheltering at home. That uh, being uh, gentle with annoying siblings or being peaceable with parents who expect the strangest things from you just seems impossible. And you may even become angry these days. Well, what are you going to do about that? But you and I must recognize that we are selfish, aren't we? You and I. Deep down, we're selfish individuals. And that is sin. And Jesus receives sinners. And he forgives us because he is gentle and kind and merciful. He hears you when you pray. So as you, as you are considering your own sinfulness, that battle inside of you, remember to take it to the Lord. Big people and little people alike speak to this gentle king with honesty and humility. God have mercy on me. Let me name it. God have mercy on me, the sinner. And he hears your prayer. Because Jesus is gentle with you in order to make you great as well. Let's pray together. Our God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, we marvel at you this day. We are fascinated to consider that you, um, whom we sometimes see as remote from us, perhaps even uncaring. Or too busy. That you have a gentle heart. That you are gentle. Towards us. And full of mercy. And we pray that this day. If there is anyone. Within the sound of my voice. Who has not come humbly to Jesus. And acknowledging. I am a sinner. And I need mercy. Please forgive me that, Holy Spirit, you would work that in their hearts. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, who rules in our hearts, rules in our lives, rules in our homes, to make us great. Amen.